a trusted voice of truth and light. The narratives that mislead most of us aren't outright lies. They're the deliberate omission of facts that could give us a more complete picture. And a rally point for those who've accepted the reality that they are not sheep. The world needs your leadership, and the essence of leadership is using your influence wisely wherever you happen to be standing. This is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, welcome to the show. I'm glad you could join me for another exercise of reveling in wrong think. Actually, I've got, I have some really, I have some heavy topics to share with you this hour. I just want to get that out there because I want you to know I, I don't share these with you to anger you or make you fearful, but I, I think we live in a time where there, there are some hard truths that have to be faced. And, and I, I struggle with reality myself, reality being uh, whatever remains when you wish it were otherwise, but I, ah, boy, I'll tell you, I found a column from Daisy Luther this morning on lourockwell.com. And it shook me up a little bit, not because she's forecasting the four horsemen of the apocalypse riding through town. You know, and it's it's just it's very clear for anyone who's paying attention that there are a lot of things in motion right now. Uh, the storm clouds have been gathering for a long time, for years. And to say that we live in a time of crisis is an understatement, to put it mildly. So if you want to be the kind of person who can be counted on to keep their head in a time of crisis, not to freeze up, you know, when that fight or flight instinct uh, starts to kick in, you've got to be capable of facing brutal reality. And that includes some unpleasant facts. And these these are not facts at the moment. They are things that that we very likely could see. But you, you've got to you got to break out of fantasy land. And as I read this article, I realized, wow. I've been spending some time in fantasy land. That was an unpleasant realization because I want to think I'm a fairly well-grounded person. But wow, Daisy Luther very gently kicked me in the seat of the pants and, and made me uh, consider some things I had not previously considered. I'll get, the, I'll get to that a little bit later. Let's start with something. Do we want to start with something nice and easy? Nah, we'll just dive right in. Karl Marx. I know you've heard the name. You were probably taught his philosophies when you were going to college. He's quite a fashionable fellow. But have you ever heard about the darker side of Karl Marx? This is something, I mean, I've read many of his, his uh, works, including the Communist Manifesto, including his thoughts on, on uh, econo- economics and so forth. He, he did a lot of writing. The man had a lot to say. He had a lot of ideas. And, you know, to, before we just dismiss him as well, you know, but he was just this bearded... Uh, hanger on who lived off other people's money yeah 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 that might be true but i would be hard pressed to think of another individual whose ideas have directly influenced the lives of more people throughout human history and i'm including religious icons by the way than Karl marx and when i say have influenced them i mean have have caused them to live under conditions of difficulty distress terror, tyranny, and sadness. So why would you even read his writings? I can hear someone ask. And, and the idea is, well, if, if someone has, has put something out that, that is that influential, wouldn't you want to understand what he was saying or why people seem to gravitate towards it? 
It's not about to, yeah, I want to find out for myself if Karl Marx is, <laughs> if he's all that in a bag of chips. But one thing that you don't get a glimpse of, at least as you read his writings, because as much as it pains me to say this, he actually comes off as a fairly reasonable guy, even in things like the Communist Manifesto. He saw life as just actually human history as nothing more than a giant struggle between the classes. Someone is constantly oppressing someone else. And, you know, this is what we have to do. Workers of the world unite. Stop being exploited. Put down the exploitative, cla- exploitative classes and, you know, the, the, there will be a vanguard of us that are a little bit more advanced that will we'll guide you and lead you and, you know, we'll tell you what to do. But in the end, we're all going to be equal. It's a pretty convincing promise because there are still people who buy into it. And what they don't realize is that human nature itself makes any such effort, such a utopia, if you will, unworkable. But you don't get the the really dark side of Karl Marx from his writings. Unless you do a little bit of digging, and it's only in the last few years someone has really pointed out. I've seen a couple of different articles on, I think Tom Woods had one um, about different poems. And I think he may even have done some artwork that, uh, to, I mean, would make Marilyn Manson. You remember him? <laughs> He'd make Marilyn Manson recoil in horror. Wow, that's, that's dark, man. You sure you want to be playing around with that kind of stuff? Here's what Dr. Walter Williams says. He says, Paul Kranger is a professor of political science at Grove City College in Grove City, Pennsylvania. And he's just published The Devil and Karl Marx, a careful look at the diabolical side of Karl Marx. Now, the book has come out during an important time in our history, since for so many Americans, particularly our youth, have fallen for the seductive siren song of socialism taught to them by the academic elite. The Black Book of Communism, edited by Stéphane Courtois, details the Marxist-Leninist death toll in the 20th century. Here is the breakdown. In the USSR, 20 million deaths. China, 65 million. Vietnam, 1 million. North Korea and Cambodia, 2 million each. Eastern Europe, 1 million. And about 3.5 million in Latin America, Africa, and Afghanistan. Now, these figures understate those detailed by Professor R.J. Rummel in his book, Death by Government. He finds that from 1917 until its collapse, the Soviet Union murdered or caused the death of 61 million people, mostly its own citizens. From 1949 to 1976, Communist China's Mao Zedong regime was responsible for the deaths of as many as 78 million of its own citizens. Now, keep in mind, the world's intellectual elite readily focus on Adolf Hitler's murderous atrocities, but they ignore those of the world's socialists. Mao Zedong has long been admired by academics and leftists across our country. They often marched around singing his praises, waving his little red book, quotations from Chairman Mao Zedong. President Barack Obama's communications director, Anita Dunn, in her June 2009 commencement address to St. Andrew's Episcopal High School at Washington National Cathedral, said Mao was one of her heroes. So whether it's the academic community, the media elite, stalwarts of the Democratic Party, or organizations like the NAACP, the National Council of La Raza, Green for All, the Sierra Club, and the Children's Defense Fund, there's a great deal of tolerance for the ideas of socialism, a system that has caused more deaths and more human misery than all other systems combined. 
Dr. Walter Williams says today's leftists, socialists, and progressives would bristle at the suggestion that their agenda differs little from those of Nazi, Soviet, and Maoist mass murderers. He says, keep in mind that one does not have to be in favor of death camps or of wars of conquest to be a tyrant. The only requirement is that one must believe in the primacy of the state over individual rights. Now, Kenger highlights another feature of Marx ignored by his followers, and this feature of Marxism should be disturbing to Black Lives Matter co-founder Patrice Cullors, who said that she and her fellow organizers are trained Marxists. He says, I wonder whether she shares Marx's views on race. Marx's son-in-law, Paul Lafargu, was viewed as having Negro blood in his veins. Marx denigrated him as Nigillo and the gorilla. Marx had a similar hate for Jews. He referred to his fellow socialist labor organizer, Ferdinand LaSalle, as a greasy Jew, the little kike, water Polak Jew, and Jewish N-word. In 1844, Marx wrote an essay called The Jewish Question, in which he asked, what is the worldly cult of the Jew? His answer, haggling. What is his worldly God? Money. Down through the years, leftists made a moral equivalency between communist and socialist totalitarianism and democracy. W.E. Dubois, writing in the National Guardsman, 1953, said Joseph Stalin was a great man. Few other men of the 20th century approach his stature. Walter Duranty called Stalin the greatest living statesman, a quiet, unobtrusive man. George Bernard Shaw expressed admiration for Mussolini, Hitler, and Stalin. Economist John Kenneth Galbraith visited Mao's China and praised Mao Zedong and the Chinese economic system. Mikhail Osenberg, Oxenberg, rather, President Jimmy Carter's China expert, complained that America is doomed to decay until radical, even revolutionary change fundamentally alters the institutions and values. He urged us to borrow ideas and solutions from China. So Dr. Walter Williams says, Kanger does a yeoman's job of highlighting the evils of Marxism. The question is whether Americans will heed his lesson or fall prey to the false promises and live the horrors of socialism. By the way, he says, while Sweden and Denmark have a large welfare system, they have market economies, not socialist economies, as some leftists claim. I thought that was interesting. I'll have a post of this in the show notes. You can check those out at thebrianhideshow.com. I hope you will, too, because you will often find there are articles I just don't have time to share with you in my on-air time. Well worth your time. Well worth reading and sharing. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, welcome back to the show. Hey, I do want to mention our sponsors. They include the Staples Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage. That's my friend John Staples. We have been friends for a long, long time. I have known John through good times and bad. And when I tell you that this is a guy who can get things done for you on the most important kind of purchases you will ever make in your life, namely the the big purchase, right? A home. Getting a home loan, it's not as easy as it was, say, what, 12 years ago or so? But if you need some help either refinancing your home or getting pre-qualified for a home loan, I think this is the guy you need to talk to. Now, here's the good news. 
the Staples-Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage is there to take care of you. And Patriot Home Mortgage is uh, is working in 23 different states. They started in little old St. George, Utah. They're now 23 states strong. Look them up at staplesmortgage.com. It's really that simple. Staplesmortgage.com. And then go forward with confidence, knowing you are being helped by the best in the business. The Staples-Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage. And, and if you think of it, you might mention, hey, thanks. Appreciate you sponsoring the Brian Hyde Show. So I've been watching South Dakota. I've actually been strongly considering whether <laughs> whether a move to South Dakota might be in my future, only because I'm watching uh, Utah uh, leaders, and, and I'm not encouraged by what I see. Uh, the the over-response to COVID-19, it's getting worse. In fact, today, what did I see? A news, news headline, why today Utah has hit its highest number of COVID cases ever. And, and it would be 9-11, a, a, a number that already gets people to kind of knee-jerk. <gasps> 911 cases? Oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? Now, I'm, I'm not making light of people who've been sick. I, I actually have a very dear friend who's finally home, finally off the respirator and, and recovering. But let's not pretend that every case, why 911 cases, my goodness, that doesn't mean 911 people actually are sick. What that means is there have been 911 people who have tested positive, some of whom may actually get very sick, some of whom may end up being hospitalized, and some, sadly, who will die. But it's not like, boy, every one of those cases is, is a person just, you know, gasping out their last breaths, fighting for their life. But for some reason, elected leaders want to play like that's the case. Oh, this is why we've got to shut the economy back down. We're actually going to talk about how governments are ramping up to impose new lockdowns. Here's the kicker. If they think they can get away with it. You know what the determination is going to be whether or not they get away with it? It's whether you and I allow them to get away with it. So if uh, we need to discover some testicular fortitude, this is the time to do it. All right. I'll get back to South Dakota in a moment. I've got Kevin on the line with me. Kevin, thanks for your patience. Welcome to the show. Hi, Brian. It's great to be with you on the radio today. I want to bring up a few topics. First of all, do you think, you know, I heard you talking about Karl Marx. Uh, do you think that there is a Jewish conspiracy going on? I, I'm beginning to wonder because I read a book called The Elders of the Learned Zion, written by a Jew, and he rats out his whole religion of, uh, I, I guess there's a manual that the elders of Zion used to take over the entertainment industry, to take over globalism uh, by starting all these wars and to let some of the truth leak out, but not all. And, I've, uh, maybe, I've heard of makes you start to wonder. I've heard of the book. I, I actually heard it referred to as the Protocols of the Learned Elders of Zion. And yeah, it's, okay. it's been around for a long time. Um, personally, Kevin, I don't buy into it. I think, look, the, the conspiracy that, that I believe drives all of the conflict that we see going on around us is, well, I think it's a continuation of an eternal conflict between darkness and light. Names and faces may change, but the dynamic hasn't changed. The, 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 the being that is behind the darkness and, and who makes war on everything that is good 
is still the same one who's always been doing this. And and the source of goodness and truth and light is still the same one. They just they, these just play out in in various uh, various forms of the same conflict translated into you know human interaction. At least that's my opinion. Yeah, well, well, yeah. What do you think, though? And I'm not trying to disagree. I just want your viewpoint. What you know, people say, and it's true. The Jews are very much in charge of the entertainment industry. They're the ones that killed Christ. They're the ones that put X on Christmas. They're the ones that are in charge of the banking system. It really makes you wonder. I don't think you can lay the, all, the, all the world's ills or a majority of the world's ills at the feet of, you know, any one people. Because no, no matter what, it all comes down to individuals who are choosing to make decisions and, and act in ways that either are good or that are despicable. And, and I, I'll agree, you know, it's, there, there seems to be a disproportionate number of, uh, you know, of, of Jewish people involved in showbiz. And I don't know what that means. And I think showbiz is thoroughly corrupt. I think showbiz, um, gosh, I'm going to say, I will sound like a conspiracy nut for saying this. Kevin, I believe that showbiz is driven largely by occultic, uh, an occultic dynamic. And it would not surprise me to learn at some point that that a lot of the people who make it really big, um, in a sense, maybe literally sell their souls for the kind of fame and fortune that they enjoy. That's just my opinion. Yeah. What, what about, and I don't want to get too off topic, but what about people like the Osmonds and Kathy Jacoli, who had some mainstream hits and still kept their values? What about those people? Yeah, I think you'll find, s- they do it? You'll find some exceptions. But uh, I'm just I'm going strictly off of, you know, what what I've observed ever since I was a teenager, Um, some of the occultic imagery that seems to find uh, itself in in a lot of like the music videos and so forth, the halftime shows and whatever. And I know some people take this to, you know, to great extremes. I can show you uh, the very hand signal that, you know, Beyonce was using at the Super Bowl. Well, it's the evil eye. Um, I don't know. It very well could be. But I, I look at what the popular yeah. culture promotes and what it stands for, and more importantly, what it ridicules. And it's pretty clear to me whose side they're on. Yeah, that, that's a whole interesting topic. I'd love to talk to you about that sometime. Maybe we could do a podcast. But uh, speaking of the media, why is it that I don't hear a peep from people like Glenn Beck, Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity, promoting alternative platforms. I saw one today, float.ap, which is G. Edward Griffin's migrating to. Uh, DLive is another one that I guess uses the blockchain. How come I don't hear people like Sean Hannity and many others going to these platforms? Um, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've heard Glenn Beck make a pretty powerful case here within the last few weeks about the need for decentralized media simply because of all of the social media censorship as well as the you know the outright uh, distortion of reality by much of the corporate or mass media but uh, I, well, I i don't know i, I think he is yeah d live bit b-i-t-c-h-u-t-e right i swear that's what it is uh, there's a bunch already. How come Glenn doesn't acknowledge that? That's something you'd have to ask him. 
I couldn't tell you. I will tell you this. It, it, it is my observation. The people who make it to a very prominent position of you know national recognition have to be pretty careful not to play to what would be perceived as the fringes. Now, fortunately, I'm not that famous, so I can pretty much say whatever I want to. I don't have to play it that careful, but uh, but I think they do. And I think, uh, as you and I have talked about before, that's one of the reasons why Glenn Beck was so quick to throw Clive and Bundy under the bus, you know, back in 2014 when he perceived, well, he might have said something, you know, unpopular. Well, yeah. So you think Alex Jones promotes these alternative sites because he's not bought off by the establishment? I couldn't say. It's a, it's a fair question, though, and I appreciate you asking it. Thanks, Kevin. We will take a break. We'll be back after this. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, welcome back to the show. By the way, happy Constitution Day. I don't mean to be a contrarian, and I'm not doing this to make any kind of a statement, but I'll be spending less time talking about the Constitution today. Not because I don't believe that it matters, but just because I think that uh, I think there may be some more pressing matters that uh, that we should also talk about. I'm, I'm encouraging you, do your homework on the Constitution. Understand, it really is a unique document in the history of mankind. And if we ever got around to, uh, you know, following it and, and, and believing in the principles by which it was established, um, we would probably be a lot happier and a lot more prosperous. But that doesn't seem to be a priority for a lot of folks right now. So that's why I'm spending less time talking about the Constitution and more talking about other things that, that are equally or perhaps at this moment, maybe even more important. Let's talk for a moment about South Dakota, America's Sweden. This is an article by Amelia Janaski, published on the American Institute for Economic Research. And this intrigues me because I have watched with with great interest as South Dakota was one of seven states that did not succumb to the strict lockdowns, putting people in jail and fining them and threatening them if they you know, gathered in groups of more than five or didn't wear a mask or left their homes or whatever the case may be, forcibly closed businesses and so forth. And South Dakota seems to have done quite well, kind of like the country of Sweden has done by taking a similar approach. Not shutting down their economy, not locking people down, but simply giving the best information that they can to their citizens and saying, take responsibility and do what you need to do to protect yourself as this virus is making the rounds. I also love the fact that uh, Christy Nome, the governor of South Dakota, first of all said, I don't have the authority to do those kind of things, to shut things down and to tell people you have to do this and you can't do that. What a blessing to have a, a, an elected official who actually understands there are limits to, to her power. And at the same time, she has refused to, to do the things that would ensure a flow of federal funds to her. This is, this is where I find frustration with, with the officials in my home state of Utah. Um, and, and I'm going to use some language that's a little bit salty here, but you want to talk about 
about politicians willing to whore themselves out for the sake of, well, we declared an emergency, now we're eligible for these funds. There is no state of emergency. There hasn't been for many, many months. It's all just on paper, and it's all for the sake of getting money. And, of course, with that money comes political power, bragging rights. We'll see what we did for you. Look how good we are. We took good care of you. And somehow, under the leadership of South Dakota, the Governor Christy Noem, they have, the Great Plains State has resisted those kind of things. They've resisted the urge to tell people that you, uh, you can't run your business, you can't associate with people, you can't travel, you can't gather, work, consume, have fun, and so on. I think for, if, if for no other reason, it's the fact that they recognize that uh, those leaders in South Dakota recognize our happiness is not some dispensable luxury that exists at the whim of whomever happens to be in power at the moment. And I wish some other elected officials elsewhere and appointed officials elsewhere would get that message because I, I fear that we're coming up on a point where we the people are going to have to put our foot down hard. I mean, I just watched the video of a guy getting dragged out of a school board meeting. Um, actually, it was in South Dakota. And it was a local ordinance about, well, you have to wear the mask. Cops drug the guy off. He said, I'm not going to cooperate. You can drag me out of here, but I want people to see what's going on. Official organized violence brought to bear against a guy who's just sitting there trying to be a part of the meeting, safely social distanced from everybody, but by gosh, he didn't have the mask. Tell me this isn't leading us into lunacy. Let's go to the phone. 801-331-8113. Caller, welcome to the show. Yes, uh, I'm always suspicious of a politician's motives. Certainly everyone... Every Republican's always looking for the next white knight. However, I'll give credit where credit is due for now. Governor Nome should throw that police officer in jail for a weekend just to teach him some manners. But, you know, we need to stop pretending like our government's getting it wrong. Everything done to us, Brian, is done on purpose. An enemy hath done this. They're not stupid. It's all deliberate. So I think we just spin our wheels and waste time pretending we're talking about government lunacy. We're, t- we're talking about government aggression. Well, and, and, and the, the lunacy, just, just for the record, the lunacy that I'm um, lamenting is the lunacy that's taken hold among the public that would put up with this oh, in the first true. place. But continue. There, there, there is some of that. You know, you see people, I, I, I needed a work, I needed a legitimate respirator a few weeks ago at work, and all the box stores are out because somebody is wearing a paint mask at the bus stop in West Valley. There's a few, there's a little bit of that, you know, maybe 10%, but most people don't get it. We went to a family party, half the people were masked, half the people weren't. By the end of dinner, nobody was wearing it because those that were a little more assertive don't care about hurt feelings, and those that were worried, they don't believe it anyway. Interesting. Yeah, so we need to, you know, hashtag starve Gary. I would love to see Gary Herbert thin as a rail in about three and a half weeks. That'll keep him some manners, and then we may, you know, if he repents, we'll feed him. If not, let him die and go to hell. All right. Too harsh? No way. That's a little, a little harsh, but... 
Okay. Well, I'm just looking at another Halloween bankrupt company here uh, over there at Gardner Village. Mm-hmm. Half of it's not open because, you know, there's different contractors and stuff, but clearly they're not going to open for Halloween. Amazing. That one. Yeah, the one section. Anyway, nice, nice, nice. Okay. Jared, thanks for weighing in. Um, again, I'm looking at I'm looking at North Dakota. Look, there is no perfectly free place, but I'm looking at how North Dakota has, or South Dakota rather has has handled this crisis, and I think that uh, they've done about as good a job as could be done. Recently, they've been under a lot of uh, scrutiny and subjected to media lashings over the Sturgis motorcycle rally. You know the allegations. Well, two hundred sixty-six thousand cases of COVID came from that baloney. But despite the pushback, their governor Christy Noem continues to stand firm and she and by standing firm she's protecting individual freedoms of south dakotans against the speculative studies which have been terribly wrong she calls it fiction owing to faulty assumptions data and questionable academic modeling approaches that's what leadership looks like and it's it well she's a science denier by the way did you see I'm sorry, I'm bouncing all over the place. Did you see that uh, uh, Scientific American has uh, apparently endorsed a political candidate for the first time in 175 years? Scientific American is endorsing Joe Biden. They say we've never backed a presidential candidate in our 175-year history until now. What was it that uh, prompted them to declare their bias openly instead of just insinuating it into their articles as usual? Becky Aker says it's the they say the evidence and the science show that Donald Trump has badly damaged the U.S. and its people because he rejects the evidence and the science. So you got a bunch of pseudoscientific Marxists at Scientific American cheerleaders for Darwin's false faith in philosophy. That's uh, and, and, and they're they're going to step out there for the first time in 175 years and they're going to endorse a presidential candidate. Look, politics isn't everything. In fact, I, I, I really think that the more we limit our exposure to politics, the happier we're going to be. But just know there are people who are very actively working to eradicate our freedoms and they lie. They distort. They give half truths. They give sometimes complete falsehoods. And it is rare to find someone in public office who is actually brave enough to uh, resist them. I strongly recommend read the article, South Dakota, America, Sweden. This is from the American Institute for Economic Research. There, there is a ton of information here. Amelia Janaski has, has written this. And, I mean, there are charts. There are graphs. This is not just, yeah, it's nicer there because, you know, freedom. She shows you by the numbers how South Dakota is thriving because they didn't panic, because they didn't think, well, the first thing we have to do is take away some of this freedom that apparently is the cause of COVID-19. And if this were just an aberration, you know, well, people should be able to show that. But you can also look at countries like Sweden, which did something very similar and turned out okay. I mean, come on, cases are spiking in Utah. 911 cases today, says the uh, candidate for governor, Spencer Cox, current lieutenant governor. I don't mean to sound callous, but so what? Most of those people are not going to get sick. Most of them aren't going to be hospitalized. It's time to get back to our lives.
This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, once again, welcome back to the show. If you haven't taken the time to visit my website, thebrianhydeshow.com, maybe find some time. Hey, even on company time, your lunch hour, preferably. <laughs> Go check it out. Subscribe to the podcast. And if you if you choose, I would ask you to consider becoming a, uh, a patron and, and someone who, who donates to, to help support this program. Look, there are very few independent voices out there, as I, and I mean as who aren't working for some corporation or another. And, and I, ideally, I don't want to be the only guy doing this. I want to help other people build their platforms and, and create more platforms where truth can be spoken. But for those of you who have stepped up, who make a, a monthly donation, whether it's a dollar, whether it's $5 or $10, I so appreciate the help. And again, if you go to the, the show notes, you'll see a little link down there at the bottom that uh, shows you where you can go and where you can do that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So speaking of telling the truth, it's getting harder. Case in point, my friend uh, Paul Cousins, who's a county commissioner in Iron County down in southern Utah, he is currently under attack right now by the Salt Lake Tribune, as well as uh, it looks like Newsweek has picked up the article. Here's the headline. Utah commissioner posts meme threatening violence against Antifa and BLM if police defunded. All right. We got to unpack a few lies here, but uh, this is... uh, Paul simply was responding to another thread on Facebook where someone was having a discussion about defunding the police. And and it's interesting the way Newsweek reports this, why this guy has removed a picture he posted to Facebook, which suggested that violence could be brought to those who support the movement to defund the police. No, let me tell you what it showed. The meme shows a it could be a soldier. It could be a militia member. It's a guy dressed up in battle rattle, sitting with a gun on his lap and the words warning to BLM and Antifa. Once you've managed to defund and eliminate the police, there's nobody protecting you from us. Remember that. Why, they're threatening violence against BLM and Antifa. Oh, why would anyone ever do such a thing? Well, I don't know. Maybe because uh, BLM and Antifa has been sending a bunch of uh, you-know-whats running around the cities, burning and beating people and otherwise attacking people, toppling statues, destroying property. Uh, You know, I'm just going out on a limb here. Portland, looking your direction, but when the police are told to stand down, Minneapolis, I think, just learned a big lesson in this. Well, we'll defund the police and uh, this ought to make all the trouble go right away. They're shocked. Crime is going up. It's higher and higher. Citizens have seen with their own eyes. They've heard with their own ears. They know for a fact when you are in need, the state is not going to be there to help you. The police will not be there to save your bacon. By the way, that is not a condemnation of the good police officers out there who would do their job and would serve to keep the peace. But when their administration is telling them you can't, What does that leave? You either protect what is near and dear to you, or you just lay down and let rioters and violent individuals come in and do as they will. You rely on their goodwill and and their, their mercy for whatever it is they're doing. 
So let's not confuse this as, well, that's threatening violence against them. What it's threatening is someone will stand up to them. And there's a world of difference between the violence that's being engaged in by Antifa and by these BLM rioters. As opposed to someone who is defending himself or herself or defending their property. You can cry victim all you want, but that does not give you some kind of, you know, unalterable right to go victimize other people with impunity. I'm trying to think of a blunter way to put this, and the only thing I can say is, look, if you go around acting like somebody who deserves to be shot, don't be surprised if you get shot. Is that a threat? No, that's a truth. And it's a truth that, that speaks to the, the value of human life. If you are going out there and you're engaging in lethally aggressive behavior, if you are threatening other people's life, liberty, their property, but especially if you're threatening their lives, you have forfeited your right to protection from someone infringing on your rights. Your rights ended when you started to aggress against somebody else. And you may not like it, but it is a universal law of self-defense. Every living creature will fight to protect itself. Just don't be surprised when someone stands up and says, no, it's not going to happen. And they're not the bad guy. You're the bad guy. You're the person who forced them into a situation where they had to do something they didn't want to do. You don't get the mantle of victimhood. You don't get the mantle of innocence if you're the aggressor. And it's funny to watch, you know, out news organizations like the Salt Lake Tribune and like Newsweek try to spin this. Well, he's he's, you know, trying to, you know, threaten BLM and Antifa. No, he's just simply acknowledging a truth that, look, when you do away with the police and right now there are a lot of people who are holding back. And I'm talking about the, the honest, upstanding, productive members of society who aren't out there destroying other people's stuff, who hold back from even defending themselves because they're worried that these same police administrators are going to send their officers in and arrest them. It happens. And unfortunately, it undermines the trust in the police at a time when they really could use a little bit of trust from the public. Police officers, maybe you should think about that. Might, might want to reconsider. If you'll go in and arrest a homeowner because he was standing inside his house Holding a gun while he's brandishing a gun. Yes, with a bunch of rioters standing out on his front lawn, threatening him. It's pretty clear who you're treating like the criminal. So defund the police. Yeah, eliminate the police. Guess what? The cost of being the submissive person who lets the police come in, the professionals come in and handle it, versus just, you know, rolling over and actually becoming a victim... You've actually tipped the scales to where the, the cost for standing up for yourself is, is no longer what it was. Because at that point, you really don't have anything to lose. And there's nothing in the world more dangerous than a man with nothing left to lose. Think about that, Antifa and BLM rioters, before you go backing somebody into a corner. There are moral and justifiable reasons for self-defense. And it is your great fortune you have not run into people yet who have reached that threshold to where they have nowhere left to go. 
You probably won't live to appreciate the day when you do. But just know it was your decisions, your actions, your aggression that set it in motion. Not their gall to to defend themselves. Tried to buy ammo lately? Been to a gun store to see, you know, if there's anything in stock? Pickens are pretty slim. And that's directly related to how many people have woken up to the realization that if you're going to protect what's near and dear to you, it really is on your shoulders. Now, I probably shouldn't have to say this, but I'm going to say it. That doesn't mean you have a license to kill. Rational people understand this. They'll go to great lengths to avoid hurting people. But if you're behaving in a murderous, out-of-control, rage-filled manner, don't be surprised if you meet a violent end. Why? Because you initiated violence against someone. That shouldn't be a surprise. Don't be surprised when you start swarming a car and breaking the windows or climbing all over it or trying to drag the driver off out and, and they drive off and they run over people. Don't stand there screaming, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, like you couldn't have seen it coming. It's time to pull your head out and realize you're the one causing the problem. And you don't have to. People might actually be willing to listen to you. If you just, you know, turn the roid rage down just a little bit. By the way, I've only got a minute left here, but I'm going I'm to mention the most important article that I have shared in the show notes today is from Daisy Luther. It's titled, As Things Devolve, Here's Why Understanding the Brutal Reality of uh, the Crap Hitting the Fan Could Save Your Life. It is not an easy read because there's some truths that she approaches here that um, they're tough. I struggled. But I think it may be one of the better things that you read. You'll find it in the show notes. Go to the com. Again, this is Daisy Luther's article published on The Organic Prepper. As things devolve, here's why understanding the brutal reality of SHTF could save your life. Okay, I'm sorry. I wish I was ending on a happier note. Just know, truth is still truth. Reality is still reality. And even though some people are insisting, you have to reject reality and accept our reality, there can be no, you know, no uh, dissent whatsoever. Keep standing for the truth. Speak it, even if your voice shakes. This is The Brian Hyde Show.